Good evening. Hope you're all doing well. Today we are learning Maseches Nadarim Daf Lamed Zayin, and we're starting five lines, four lines from the bottom. Yeah, five lines from the bottom on Lamed Vav Amud Beis. You're just going to cause problems, or you're going to and, and then walk out. Mark, Mark, Mark asked you to do that. Oh yeah. <laughs> Sounds about Mark. Yeah. A lawyer is going to cause problems. I know. Yeah. So the Gemara had mentioned in our Mishnah what what happens if there is an Isra between me and you, um, but I'm your kid's Rebbe, or I'm your Harusa and your Madir Hana for me. So the Mishnah had said five lines from the bottom. Elamdo medrash halachos ve'agados. I'm allowed to teach you medrash. And halacha and will define medrash at least in a little bit, possibly today. But I'm not allowed to learn mikra with you. So let's just analyze this. It means that when I teach you medrash halachos and agados, obviously there's no particular hana because if there was a particular hana, I wouldn't be able to teach you. However, when it comes to mikra, it seems to be that there is a hana, and therefore I'm not allowed to teach you because you were madir hana for me. So if you're madir hana for me, and I'm teaching you mikra. So we have to are up just bouncing off the page. Why is there a difference between Mikra and and and, uh, and Medrash? Obviously, so the Gemara says four lines from the bottom. Mikra, my time denu. Why is it that when it comes to Mikra, and if you are Madir Hana from me, that you're not allowed to get Hana from me? Why can't I teach you Mikra? So the Gemara says Mishum to come Well, by Mikra there's Hana. What's the implication of this answer? That by Mikra there's Hana, but not by Medrash. But we're learning Torah. When we learn Torah, we don't really make you know, these kinds of distinctions. So learning Torah is learning Torah. Why would you say that one is Hana, the other is not Hana? So the Gemara doesn't like this. Medrash, Nami, Kamahani. If we were to learn Medrash together, it would also be a Hana. Yet the Mishnah says that I'm allowed to learn with you, even though you were Madir Hana for me. Says the Gemara, a strange answer, Anu Kimta. Amar Shmuel, We're talking about a city, a place where it is commonplace to take schar on learning mikra. And therefore, if I teach you mikra for free, it's a hanaf for you that you don't have to spend money on me. Masha'in kein, in regards to mikra, in regards to medrash, that when we learn medrash together, it's not common in that community to charge for medrash. And therefore, when I learn for you, there is no fiscal benefit to you learning Torah with me. What is completely ignored by the Gemara? I know of learning Torah. Why? I'm just raising my own. Why doesn't the Gemara talk? Why isn't that a Hanaf? Mrs. Slavla Hanaf. But we've had other... Right. Could be. Could be. Did this ever come up? Why didn't we say that even when we said, remember by the Pruta de, de Rav Yosef, I think it was, we said by Pruta de Rav Yosef that, the, that it, even when it comes to the mitzvah of Shavah Saveda, maybe we shouldn't be able to do it because of Pruta de Rav Yosef. There too, we also didn't say that the mitzvah was a hana. It's probably what you're saying. It's the mitzvah of the So that's what the Gemara says. But the Gemara doesn't like this answer. My Pascha and the Mefarish here explains that how can you say that we're talking here about a minhag? Our Mishnah seems to be fairly categorical. In regards to Mikra, it's not allowed. In regards to Medrash, it is allowed. Not about what city you're from. That's a very strange ukimta to give in a case like this. Where, where, where do you have the Medrash from if you don't have the Mikra? The whole point of the is to explain the doesn't, the, Your point is true. That's true. But it doesn't mean that they're the same. The Rashi is not the same as the Gemara. The Gemara is not the same as the Mishnah. The Mishnah is not the same as the Pesukim. So it doesn't exist in power. 100%. But that, I agree with you, and that's factual, but it doesn't change the Metzias that they are still different qualities. Quality is not the right word. Different uh, levels. I got, I'm not sure what words to put it. Yeah, they're just different. They're different. Yeah, yeah, they are different. They are different. And the question is where the Hanala. So we're not at the bottom of this sugi yet. We're still like kind of 
kind of digging a little bit. So my Pascha, how can you say this? It doesn't make sense to say that it's based on a minog. And turning to the top of Laman Zayin and the Gemara says, Even in a place where it is typical to give out money for learning, it's permissible to take money for Mikra and therefore usher for me to teach you. And it's never allowed, you're never allowed to take money for, uh, for Medrash. Never. And therefore, there's no such thing as Hana. Even if the place typically does pay for that, let's say I'm a Gemara Rebbe, and Makor says, you know what, we want to pay you to give Dafyomi. So the Gemara says, even if that were to be the case, if you're sitting in the shir, you're a Madra Hana, I can still teach you. That's fine. By Medrash, there's no such thing as taking money. Why is it that in regards to Mikra, we do allow conceptually for a person to get paid? When it comes to Medrash, they're never allowed to get paid. And the Gemara says, that's based on a Pasuk, actually based on a couple of Pesukim. Kodesh Baruch Hu commanded me to teach you. These are the two Pesukim. And the Gemara says, Just like I learned and we have to look back in this pasuk, chukim umishpatim. Chukim umishpatim is the definition of medrash, not medrash like we know it. Medrash like we know it is this. this it's, it's Gemara. When we say medrash, we're referring to midrash chazal. We're referring to analysis of psukim, but lav davka that they're chukim umishpatim. There's agadotos too. That's also Talmud Torah. So here the Gemara defines medrash as chukim umishpatim, which is very interesting. Either way, the Gemara says that Moshe Rabbeinu made this following, uh, this hekesh. He said, Ma'ani bechinam, afatem bechinam. So therefore, just like I, Moshe Rabbeinu, had to teach Klal Yisrael, chukim umishpatim, and I wasn't paid, so too you should be a, you should be teaching Torah to others and not get paid. And therefore, there's uh, there's no such thing as an Isr Hana of teaching Medrash to someone, even if they're Madir Hana from you. You got paid for teaching Medrash? Hmm? You couldn't, <laughs> what? You got paid for teaching Medrash? So if we stopped right here, it would seem that it would seem that he didn't teach who? That's oh, did Moshe get paid? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> the Gemara is going to speak about that today. Yeah, he he became super wealthy because of that. That's true. But the the psolas with the psola, we'll we'll speak about that soon. Interesting questions, Dan. I, I didn't look into it. Interesting, but the Gemara is still bothered. Mikra nami bechinam. I don't understand. Like he, he also, if he was learning Torah, he's teaching Torah, like that should also not cost any money. He didn't get paid for that either. So it says the Gemara, this is a machloka samurayim. And this machloka samurayim is going to carry us for a good amud or so. Says the Gemara, you're right. Really, when it comes to Mikra, it should be chinam. But there are some potentially external factors when you're teaching Mikra that do cost money. For example, Rav Amar Schar Shimur. When you're teaching Mikra to children, you need someone to watch over the children, like to make sure that they don't hang from the from the chandeliers and that they don't kill each other and that they don't practice some of the things in the Torah that are us. They're like, oh, cool. That's how you do Ritzicha. Let's, uh, let's try it in the playground. So because you have to hire people. So therefore, for the Rebbe to teach, he had to hire someone to watch the kids and he, he passes that cost back on to you. And therefore, that's only true by Mikra because... What do we say in the Mishnah? Ben Chamisha, the Mikra. The older kids weren't learning Tanakh. They already knew Tanakh by heart. <laughs> Remember, our culture is not the same. We're not where we should be in many areas, certainly not in learning. And the Gemara says, according to Rav, that the reason why Mikra is different, why we can still be Makabal Schar or Notel Schar is because of Schar Shimon. Rabbi Yochanan Amar, no. Schar Pisuk Ta'amim. Pisuk Ta'amim is the truck. 
And according to this baseline understanding of the Gemara, it seems to be that the trap was not a fundamental part of the Pasuk. That's what it seems to be. We'll, we'll see by the end of the day today that this is a machlokas. But that's what the Gemara suggests, is that maybe the reason why the Rebbe is getting paid money is not for the words that he's teaching, but it's much more difficult, or I should say, it's another layer of difficulty to teach the trap. You've got some kids who are tone deaf, some kids who have no cadence, some kids who are quick on the on the trap. But still, even for kids who are quick on the with their voices and their musical people, it still takes a long time to memorize trap for a pasuk. It still takes a lot more time. So that's what the schar is for. It's not for the mikra. It's for the pisuk ta'amin. Now let's ask a couple of questions to see if we can clarify who we hold like between Rav and Rav Yochanan. So where our question is, why is it that mikra should be uh, something that you can get money for. After all, it's Torah. And the Gemara says, you're right, we're not talking about the mikra itself. Either, according to Rav, we're talking about the babysitters to make sure the kids don't tear the building down. Or we're talking about Rav Yochanan, who says that the Rebbe has to do extra work when it comes to the piskei ta'amim, when it comes to the truck. Says the Gemara, here's one question. We learned in our Mishnah, Tanan, lo yilam denu mikra. That's what our Mishnah said. Our Mishnah had said that in a case of a mudar hana, that I'm not allowed to teach you psukim. Bishlam alamanda amar, I could understand if you tell me that Pisuk to Amim is something that I have to teach you, and that really costs money, that if I now do it for free, it's a enough for you, I understand that. I'm, I'm a grown man, you're a grown man. If I have to teach you Torah, I don't need a babysitter for you, you're fine. And if well, well, it depends who's in sheer, especially this year. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's a true story. I wasn't going to say it, but now that you brought it up, we can talk about it. It's not an elephant in the room. It's a circus in the room. It's a circus. But the elephant doesn't hear us. He's probably in the room. So says the Gemara as follows: When it comes to schar shimur, that doesn't make sense because galal bar shimur who says the Gemara gives an ukimta. Our Mishnah is talking about a katan, the katan katani. Says the Gemara, you cannot, you cannot say that our Mishnah is talking about a katan. Why not? Check this out. What does it say later? It says later in, the, in our Mishnah, that if, if you're Madir Hanafim, you're not willing to take Hanafim. I'm not allowed to teach you Mikra, but I'm allowed to teach your children Mikra. But if what we're saying is that the you in this Mishnah is a katan, that katan doesn't have children by definition. It says the Gemara, He's a 10-year-old child. So if you and I were in Cheder together, uh, or Hill Torah, which is where I went, not Cheder. So then if you were mad, you're going to fill, I'm not going to get no hand. I'm going to get no hand off from you. So I'm not allowed to learn Mikra with you, but I can with your children. It's not even Shaya, or you're not even in the Parsha. So the Gemara says, you're right. And we're halfway down on Lamed Zayin and Aleph. And the Gemara explains as follows. When we are talking about Yilam Denu Mikra, what is that prohibition in our Mishnah? That's only talking about if you and I are both Ketanim. However, But if in fact you were a Gadol, then yes, I could learn with you. This is the Chasure Mechzara and the new explanation of our Mishnah. So what is implied from here? If I'm allowed to teach you Mikra as a Gadol, that means that Rav's opinion of Scharshimor has to be wrong. That's what it seems to. Um, is it the other way? Rav was of the opinion that we're talking about Scharshimor. This Mishnah says, and it seems that Rav is correct because now that you're a Gadol, 
Now I can actually teach you, which means that Schar Shimur was the concern. So by a katan where Schar Shimur is a concern, that's an Isra Hana, because if I do it for free, uh, when I could have, I saved you money. That's Hana, that's not allowed. But by a Gadol, so then Schar Shimur is not applicable, and therefore I'm allowed to teach you. No problem at all. So the Gemara seems to say, what? You know, there are five hundred four. Someone calls you It's true. Yeah. Well, I just misunderstood the Gemara. I actually wrote, I always write in pen. I have like a Bashita, I write in pen in my Gemara, not in pencil. But now I have to scratch out because I, I realize now that I misunderstood I wrote it wrong in my notes. I got to scratch it out now. That's the worst. <laughs> Says the Gemara's father. There's another question on this machlokas between Rav and Rav Yochanan Mesve. Tinokos lo korem bitchila b'shabes, ella shonen b'shabes. When it comes to young children who are learning, you're not allowed to teach them on Shabbos for the first time. You can't brush your You cannot learn psukim with them for the first time on Shabbos. Ella shonen you are allowed to begin your Chazara on Shabbos. So if you learn the, par, the, the Parsha, you learn the Psukim on Friday morning, and then Friday night you want to do Chazara, no problem at all. That's great. But you as a Rebbe cannot teach a Kata new Psukim on Shabbos. So says the Gemara, let's analyze. If you want to say that the reason why I'm not allowed to teach you new Psukim on Shabbos is because of Pisuk to Amim, and Pisuk to Amim costs money, and therefore... Uh, if I teach you, it would be a hana for you. Or if I teach you in this case, it would cost money. That makes sense because you're not allowed to charge for things on Shabbos. Ella says the Gemara, If you're going to say that really the restriction is babysitting, if we're talking about babysitting, which costs money, then what's the difference between and doing Chazar on Shabbos? Still need babysitters. What's the difference? It says the Gemara, We already, oh, sorry, that's the end of the question. Am I, um, sorry, yeah, there you're going to have for both issues, for, for learning it the first time and for doing Chazara. So that's a Gemara that seems to imply that the Shita is like Rav Yochanan, that it's really about Pisuk to Amim. Says the Gemara, that's your whole analysis is wrong. We're not allowed to pay someone on Shabbos. We pay people on Shabbos all the time. We don't pay them on Shabbos, but we pay them for work that they do on Shabbos. After all, Havla, he, this is one of the famed sugyas and shas about Havla. Uh, my son, Yaakov, works as a waiter, for uh, as many of our kids have. They work as a waiter for, for kiddushes and for luncheons on Shabbos. But my son, what, how, how do you get paid? We don't double, double, triple pay, right? Like, how do you work on Shabbos? So there's this principle called Havla, and we're going to learn about that right now. But Havla, Mishra Sharia, Mishra Shari, we know that that's permissible. How do we know that Havla is mutter? Havla is defined as, I'm doing work on Shabbos, but I also do some of the work during the weekday. So when my boss pays me for the work that I do on Shabbos, it's really paying me for the non-Shabbos work, which includes the Shabbos work, but it's because it's kind of all mixed together, it's therefore not problematic. Says the Gemara de Tanya, three lines from the bottom, Lamed Zayin Amadala. If I hire a worker, a babysitter, cow sitting, to watch over my field, if I hire you on Saturday for Saturday, I'm not allowed to pay you for that. That's mamish asr, because we don't work on Shabbos. Therefore, because on those days, I'm really not allowed to hire you, so then you're really not a poel. And therefore, your level of achrayis for that item is very low. Because I'm not paying you. You're like a regular shomer. shomer, chinam, shomer. You're a regular shomer chinam. So therefore, your responsibilities are very small. So what we see over here, just as a little bit of a deeper layer, is that 
the level to which I'm able to pay you on Shabbos is the level to which you are a shomer for me on Shabbos. So therefore, because I'm not able to pay you, when I hire you on Shabbos morning at 8 a.m., can you come babysit for my kids till 4 p.m.? That doesn't work. You have to ask them to do something else for you after Shabbos to pay them behavla. Otherwise, it's not allowed. And therefore, because they're not getting paid, their level of shmir is very low. In contrast, the b'risa continues on the top of Lamed Zayin Amid Beis. Mm-hmm. If I hire you for a week, or for a month, or for a year, so says the Gemara, then I can pay you behavla. That's mutter. Because I'm able to pay you. Therefore, we're seeing this direct link between the, the capacity to pay someone as an employee, and therefore on Shabbos they're a poel, Therefore, their level of Shmira is higher. And there you're responsible for it. You're no longer a Shomer Chinam. Now you're a Poel or a Socher, whatever the language is. So what do we see from here? We see from here that you are allowed to be uh, paid on Shabbos. So that's a kasha in our initial understanding of this Gemara. Ella says the Gemara, you're correct. The Gemara that says that a child is not allowed to learn the Pasuk for the first time, but is allowed to do Chazorah on Shabbos, that wasn't talking about Rav and, Shmu- Rav and Rav Yochanan at all. What was it talking about? Why is it that a child should not go to yeshiva and learn psukim for the first time on Shabbos? What a gorgeous Gemara. That the fathers are available to their children to do the mitzvahs of Shabbos. The mitzvah of Onik Shabbos. Onik Shabbos might well be a mitzvah de Oraisa, and we are obligated to uh, to fulfill those mitzvahs. And because, the Mephorshim explained, because learning a first pasuk, a pasuk for the first time is very hard, you first have to get the pronunciations right. And then you have to get the uh, basic understanding. And then you're going to do the, pis- the pisuk ta'amim. And then you're going to learn a Rashi. And then you're going to learn a Ramban. It's very involved. It's very involved. And that detracts from the Onik Shabbos that a father has an obligation toward his child. So we're seeing in the Gemara a fascinating preference, uh, a hierarchy of making sure that Shabbos still has an Oneg Shabbos component and not just the learning. The learning is beautiful and it should happen. But the Gemara says you cannot learn things that are very difficult on Shabbos and send your kids off to Yeshiva to learn all day because there is a mitzvah of Oneg Shabbos. That's what the Gemara says. It's crazy, no? I was very surprised by this. It's a big steal because that's one of the reasons you can't really learn learning during Shiva. Uh, well, because it's misampe, it's learning. It's true, it's true. But here, this is much more of. A, this sounds like yeah, a warm and fuzzy Gemara, right. but really, what this Gemara is saying: How does the mitzvah of Talmud Torah intersect with the mitzvah of Onik Shabbos? It's really what the Gemara is asking. Or maybe they're between a child and, a, and an adult. Too. Well, here the the framing of the Gemara that it seems from the Gemara that a father has an obligation to enable the mitzvah of Onik for his children. That's what it seems from the Gemara. Because the language is the the Yifnu Avahasan, the father is now available to Yanuke for his kid, the mitzvah of the Shabsa. So it seems that the what? Why is it only Because it takes a lot more time to learn the Psukim the first time. But yeah, yeah, they're learning. They're, they're mamish learning. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're working very hard. So that's one one approach that has nothing to do with Rav and Shmuel. Just a Rav and Rav Yochanan. says the children were just studying literature on Shabbos. It's so intense that parents would be forced to delay managing Shabbos more than 100 times. Right. It's not so much like that they're spending quality time together. No, that's what I'm saying. It's the mitzvah of Oneg against, that's why I was just, I said back to that. It's the mitzvah of Oneg against the mitzvah of Talmud Torah. So what happens? The parents sit home, the kid doesn't come until 3 o'clock. You got home from Shul at 10. 
But the language of the Gemara is really oh, is really fascinating. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Why didn't the Gemara just say what I, I saw what you I saw what you were talking about? Why didn't the Gemara just say that? Like just say it. Why didn't you just say because you're you're being ma'achar the meal? That's what the Mefarish says here, 12 lines down. Like you're saying, Shimhayu If the kids had to go to Cheder on Shabbos morning and learn Nupsukim, Hayu Chudin Bahen, Velo Hayu Pnui in the Mitzvah Shabbos, Leisanigbo. Aval, the Mefarish concludes, Shonen, you can do Chazara, Hol Vikfarlim Duhu, Lo Mitrid Behu. We all know that when you do Chazara, if you learned it well the first time, the Chazara is relatively easy. That's for sure. The first time's hard. Yeah, like you, like David said, you're breaking your teeth over it. First time is very, very hard. I feel that way every single day. The first time I learned that, I'm like, tonight's going to be the night that I can't get through it. And then the second time, I'm like, ah, oh, it's not so bad. Third time, I'm like, okay. The fourth time, and then I, you know, I, I, we all know that experience. That's exactly what it's like. So that's the Gemara's answer. And here's yet another answer. Uh, the world will be heavy on them. When there's a change in your schedule, it messes with your stomach. Now, really what the Gemara is saying is, as uh, one person called it this past week when we were spending time together, it's called a, a carbs coma. Is that after you eat a big meal, your eyelids get very heavy. And what the Gemara is saying is that the reason why you can't learn the first Pesukim on Shabbos is because your head's not in it. Half of a fella. That's crazy. Yeah, that's what the Gemara says. So, so exactly I'm going to trust you. So, but regardless, whether it's different in quality or in quantity, it's still extremely messy. For what? For the, I'm saying for the Machala and Moshav. Yeah, but the, I think with the Gemara, the, the, I was bothered by this when I learned it before. The line of Shmuel doesn't really perfectly match with the Gemara's previous statement. The previous statement was the Bishapsa Achlan Bishas and Viyakir Alehon Alma. On Shabbos, they're eating and they're drinking, and the world becomes heavy to them. And Shmuel says, whenever you change your schedule, your stomach gets all messed up. They're really not a perfect correlate. Yeah. I don't know. Or, or if you eat longer, you know what? The Mefarish says here a third of the way down, It's hard for them to learn because of the food. And therefore, their stomachs hurt. Yeah. The end of that run, because you need to have heavy focus when you learn things for the first time. Oh, yeah. No, but also this, this thing with Shmuel, it, it, it seems like it's only connected. The first, like his Rasha and the Seifa are really not together. And only this, the Rasha of what Shmuel said is connected to the rest of it. Yeah. I'm not, I mean, we'd have to really learn Shmuel. We did learn Shmuel in context in Ksubis, but. Uh, but I, 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 I'm not exactly sure what the Shmuel reference is here. I'm not 100% clear. Okay, let's find out why did Rav not hold like Rav Yochanan and why did Rav Yochanan not hold like Rav? 
According to the one who said that the reason why Mikra would be an Isra Hana for me to you is because really I'm allowed to take money because Pisuk to Amim teaching the trap is hard. My time alone, Amar Schar Shimur. Why didn't he say like Rav? Because Kasavar, Banos Mika Boyan Shimur. When you teach girls, you need a babysitter. They sit like angels in the classroom, like nothing ever happened. The boys are graffitiing the bathroom walls, and the girls are sitting there with their hands clasped with a, a pen in front of them and a chumash. It can't be that it's just because that's just not across the board. It just depends on the room. What if it is a boys' class, but it's a boys' class that's very, uh, they, you got the calm class, you know? So this goes back to what we said in the Mishnah about also true correct correct yes that's correct it's a, it's a yeah i was just gonna i, I was sitting, sitting on the plane this morning and thinking that that doesn't something doesn't sound right because you yeah very clear that it was it was intended to be a part of our mission and fine and that's because girls are different and maybe even boys can be different if they're disciplined will mandamar scarshim or according to rav who says that the reason why it's usher is because of scarshim or that's why mikra can people can get paid my time alo amar pisuk ta'amim so he answers a very very uh, interesting answer that's going to thrust us into a new sugya kasavar pisuk ta'amim do raisahu the trap is not separate of the fundamental understanding of the pasuk it's not an extra layer that the rabbis added on it's mamish do raisa like it's, it's not just the words, it's the cadence and the trap. That's also midindoraisa. How do we know that that's true? That there's a status of a dindoraisa in regards to Pisuk Tamim? Says the Gemara, Damar of Ika, Bar Ovin Amar of Hananel Amarab. My Dixiv, what does the Pasuk mean when it says, Vikru Besefer Torah Sayelokim of Forash, Vesom Sechel, Viavino Bemikra? So let's parse out the Pasuk in full, halfway down. Vikru Besefer Torah Sayelokim, Zemikra. That part of the Pasuk is referencing the Pesukim themselves. Meforash Zetargum. That's a reference to the Targum. Vesom Seichel Eluha Pesukim. This is referring to the Pesukim. Where do Pesukim begin and where do Pesukim end? And then the Gemara says, V'yavinu b'mikra. That Pasuk is referencing Zepisuk Ta'amim. That is all part and parcel of the Pasuk itself. Amri Law. Some say Eluha Mesoros. The word mesoros here is referencing how to read words where they can be read in two different ways. Now we see this all the time, zecher, zecher, we see it all the time. And not only zecher and zecher, how do we know that it's eret and not aretz, as we will soon see in the Gemara? So all of this, a great question. The, first of all, the Pasuk's from Nehemiah. Pasuk's from Nehemiah. And I was I, I tried to process this as well with no svarim to look up while I was there. But I, I really think the answer is that his... You're right that it's a drasha that's based on Nehemiah, but what he is doing is explaining what Torah is. It's not like a drasha per se, as much as it's, it is a drasha, but it's almost like his understanding of how the Torah was given. The kasha and the maisa here for me is targum. That I didn't understand. Targum is doraisa? What does that even mean? <laughs> okay, I don't know, but that's what the Gemara uses as a raya. The Gemara continues on this, so you get two-thirds of the way down. Amar Rabbi Yitzchak, Mikra, Sofrim, Ve'itor Sofrim, the reading of the psukim and the etor, the decorations of the psukim, the karyan veloksivan, words that are read but that are not written, the ksivan velokaryan, words that are written but not read, all of them are halachalamoshmi sinai. 
What does this mean? The Gemara is going to give a whole bunch of examples. If we had ample time, and we don't, we'd go through every single Pasuk that's about to be referenced in short here and explain each one in full. We're not going to do that. But it is in a very, very beautiful Gemara. We just, uh, we're going to be trapped for time because we still have another Amud to learn. The Gemara says as follows. What is the Mikra Sofrim? Well, it could be uh, Eretz, Shamaim, and Mitzrayim. It could be Aretz, Samim, and Mitzrayim. These are all words that we would not know how to read without without the without this understanding. What are itor sofrim? What is the beautification or the decorations of the sofer? So the word uh, achar achar tavoru after he crossed over achar telech achar teasev kid musrim achar nognim and as well tzikasecha keharel the kaf they're all they're all extras they actually don't technically need to be in the Torah. We don't darshan these words per se, but they're all here to make the Torah read a little bit smoother. Now, let's be clear. This is how the Torah was given. It doesn't mean that there's like versions of the Torah out there that are different than the ones we have, because there aren't. <laughs> it's actually one of the, the masterful nisim of our history is that the Torah that we have today is the Torah that we had back then with very, very little uh, tension and machlokas about the basics of uh, what's in the Chumash. The Aleppo Codex speaks about this, about they found the Rambam, and then from the time of the Rambam, they were like dating in history how the Torahs look exactly the same. There's some Malay Chaser questions that have come up over the years. Uh, I don't know exactly how that happened up, but okay, fine. So that's what the Gemara says as the examples of Mikra Sofrim. What about uh, Karyan Velok Sivan? Words that we read that aren't written. The word pras dibelechto, that word is added in. The word ish of the pasuk of the ka'asher yishal ish vidvar elokim. The word ba'im denivnasa. Again, we have to look at all these sugyas. The word la depleta. Uh, the word s dehaged hugad. The word elai of dehagoren. The word elai dehasorim. Halein. All of these are karyan veloksivan. All of these words are read but not written. What is uchsavan velokaryan? What are the words that are written but not read? Says the, the Gemara, na of the Pasuk de Yislach, the word Zos de Hamitzvah, the word Yidroch de Hadorich, the word Chamesh de Peas Negev, the word Im de Chiyigal, and Halein. All of these are examples of Ksavan Velokarim. These are examples of words that are written but not read. And all of these are Halach Lemosh Misinai. Now, much as this is true, the Gemara presents three lines down on Lamed Ches Menalaf. There was one pasuk that was subject to a machlokas about how many uh, how many psukim it was. Was it one pasuk or was it three? I don't have the whole pasuk here in my Gemara, but it's a long pasuk. So, according to in the Ma'arava, they had this as three psukim instead of one. Moshe became wealthy from the psalis of the luchos. Some before Shem say that the luchos were made out of sapphire. Could you imagine? The Gemara and Baba Kama highlights how large these uh, the luchos were. They were not small. Sapphire is that big. That's a that's a good day in the mining fields. That's a <laughs> it's not normal. It says the Gemara. You get the psalis, a Kodesh Baruch Hu with uh, the magic laser that carved out the, the words, whatever it is. So all the psalis of the sapphire fell to the ground. That was Moshe's parnosa. He became very wealthy off of that. This is very controversial. This Havamin of the Gemara is that the Torah was not given to all of the Jews. It was only given to Moshe and to his descendants. Just like you got the, the shavings of the sapphire, uh, of the luchos. The Torah is also yours. Oh, it's also yours. Says the Gemara, but Moshe was a mensch. Moshe nag batovas ayin unasan al Yisrael. If this, we don't conclude like this, but if we stopped here, would what does that mean for us? Like, how does that work? The Torah is not binding? Like, what does that mean? 
doesn't mean it's not good for you. It's for sure good for you. The question is, is it binding? That Moshe was very sensitive. He had, a, he had an eye in Tov. He was willing to share the good news. Says Gemara, that can't be. The Torah says that Moshe was obligated to teach us. Says Gemara, he was commanded to learn. And I chose to teach you, but love Dafka that I was obligated to teach you. Same exact type of question. I was the one who was commanded, said Moshe. And I chose to teach you. Wait one second. The Pasuk says, Do you? You have to write the whole Torah. Says the Gemara, No. Only the Pasuk, the Psukim of Hazin. What about the Pasuk, Says the Gemara, you're, Therefore, it must be correct that my Habamina was wrong. I thought that the Torah was only given to Moshe Vazaro. The Gemara says that's not correct. What was given to Moshe that was exclusively his was a Pilpula Be'alma. Take a look at the Mefarish, five, six lines down. The first or second real quick. The general topic of this is first or second. It's fascinating to me that, that all these shots. So, Lucha, Shnei Luchos, Avanim, Karishonim. We're talking about the second Luchos. Right. If you can hear the old word, it must have been yourself similar, right? That, that it, it, you can even have a Havamim to say that it was just for motion. That's true. But the drushas that we're making are, are from the second Luchos. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes more sense. I hear what you're saying. I, I didn't even think about it in that way. I was thinking, like, forget Egal Azov, like, Kodesh Baruch only gave it toward Moshe and his descendants. Just, right. just simple. Because that's that was somewhat mashman, one of the psukim. Yeah, yeah. So the Gemara rejects his habamina, Baruch Hashem. The Torah is, is, we're all obligated to keep halacha. And the Gemara says, what was the pilpula be'alma? Take a look at the Mefarish, six, seven lines down. He, Moshe Rabbeinu, was given how to extrapolate from A to B. If A is equal to B and B is equal to C, then A equals C. All the lambdas, all the lambdas of the Torah, so that was given to Moshe, and Moshe did not have to share that. That was not given to us. And really, as an educator, like in my world of teaching and the teaching that I do with uh, with young people, I say this all the time. My kids ask all the time, "Why is this the halacha?" Well, reason number one that says halacha is because Hashem said so, yeah. and that's actually enough of a reason. You want a reason to make it more appealing? Okay, let's talk and learning. But like that's, but the the actual lumdas of how we get from where we are to where we need to be, only Moshe had that Masorah. And the Gemara we're learning now is a lot of the Pilpulim that we wouldn't have had. That's because Nihigba Moshe. So that was the Gemara's conclusion that Pilpul of Alma, that was what was given only to Moshe and Bizarro, but he was kind enough to share it with us. Halfway down, we have a lot left to go and not that much time. No. No. Halacha Moshe Sinai is different. Yeah. Those are very that, technical yeah. halachos. Yeah. Those are halachos that we don't see in writing anywhere, but that we know as part of our Masorah that Moshe had in Harsinai. But that's not this. This is this was a special gift that was really only for him. The features of uh, of a Navi to be Mashresh Chinaso, if to be a Gibor and Ashir Chacham Be'anav, let's analyze all of these midos. Gibor, how do we know he was so strong? Because he's the one who picked up these massively heavy leather and fabric garments and put covered the ohel. But Amar Mar, Moshe Rabbeinu Parso, Moshe himself did. Eser Amos Orach Hakeres, these were massive, massive uh, pieces of, of material. Says the Gemara, maybe he was just tall. I agree, he must have been tall in order to do this, but maybe he was vikatin. Maybe it was a bit of a scrawny tall guy. He wasn't exactly bench pressing uh, in his free time. So maybe he wasn't so strong. How do you know Moshe is a gibor? You're right. Ela min hadain kra, it's from a different pasuk. Dixib, but I suppose bishnea luchos, vashlichem, me'al shte yodai, vashabarem. He held the two luchos. 
um, he held the two luchos in his hands and then he threw them. That they were massive stones. They were very, very heavy. So that we that we therefore see that he is strong. And let's let's glorify the point that uh, the Tanya, the, the Mishnah says in Baba Basra, I said Baba Kama earlier, that's not correct. In Baba Basra, Haluchos Orkan Shisha, they were six, Virachban Shisha, they were six wide in a square in one shape, Vovian Shlosha, and they were three wide. So we know that he was very strong. What about Ashir? How do we know that he was uh, very wealthy? Like we saw at the top of the page, we know that he was wealthy because of the shavings of the luchos. Chacham, how do we know that he's wise? Says There's 50 levels of uh, of understanding in the world. He he was given 49 levels of understanding. We don't even know what this. We don't know what any of this means. Nothing. We don't know any, what any of this means. He was on the 49th level of understanding. He was just a dry. So, so hard to understand. He was one level away from a kodesh baruch in regards to bina. It's, uh, it's uh, impossible to understand what this means. How do we know that he was? The Pazik says, last short line, We know that all of the Navim were wealthy. These four people were very wealthy. This will take us to the Mishnah, three lines from the bottom. Let's keep going. First of the middle with lines, I never took any of your donkeys. Says the Gemara, that, that shows he's wealthy. If, he, if we're talking about without money, then what is he going to steal? Oh, you're such a tzaddik, Moshe. You don't say that. Doesn't tell you that you're wealthy. He tells you that you're not a thief. Ella says the Gemara de de afilu beagra. It must be that even with paying, he never took them because he didn't need them because he was obviously he was obviously wealthy. We'll get there. Dilma Mishum de Anihab, a very good stand. Maybe we'll say that the reason why he didn't buy those animals with money wasn't because he had enough, it was because he was poor. He didn't have any money to buy the animals. Ella says, Stan, mean Exactly right. So the, the, the Gemara's previous answer doesn't work. So that's how we know that he was an Ashir. Shmuel, I didn't take any animals from you. It says the Gemara, the same line of reasoning. If we're talking about he didn't take them for free, then that's no big deal that Shmuel wasn't a Gan of Lafuke. Of course, if they don't take things for free that aren't yours, says the Gemara. Says the Gemara, same logic. The fact that he didn't have to buy them even with money implies that maybe he had a lot of money. But maybe the reason he didn't buy them was because he had no money at all and he was actually poor. Another pasuk that indicates that Shmuel was wealthy, but talking about his house. What about the house? Everywhere he went, they brought his house. You know, if you ever see a movie set, they bring tractor trailer after tractor trailer filled with items that they need for the movie set. And all his belongings came with him. He had a house everywhere he went. So he's a very wealthy guy. Just in a brief interruption of the Gemara. The, uh, the, there was something greater about Shmuel than by Moshe. Nasasi is a more aggressive language of taking uh, by force. They didn't, uh, nothing at all. There was no negative negativity at all. They said about him, you didn't take anything. You didn't even want to take anything. Okay, let's go to the next person. Now we know that they're wealthy. Six lines from the bottom. Amos Amos uh, he was a uh, a boker. He watched um, he watched animals, and he was boles shekamim. He would tend to sycamores, which were very expensive trees. Rav Yosef, I'm a person who takes care of animals. and I have all of these sycamore trees. So we know that he was very wealthy from there. Yonah, we know that he went onto the ship when he was trying to escape a Kodesh Baruch Hu from taking on the Nevoah from Nineveh, and says, He paid for the whole thing, charter. He uh, he gave a whole huge amount of money. Check this out, says the Gemara. What? Why did he let the other guys on? 
Well, well he no, it's the other way. It's their boat. But he paid for the cost of the ship for them to let him on. He overpaid. And how much did he overpay? That's uh, that's a lot of money. Four thousand dinarim of gold. And he still got that over, probably. Now this this Gemara is going to be like the next Indiana Jones of where the next where where's all the gold from the times of Yonah. Bummer of Yochanan, last Gemara of the day. Really, Moshe uh, had learned Torah and then he forgot. It's very comforting. Until it was given to him as a gift. It was given to him. This is a beautiful muster for us. It's okay if you forget things. It's never going to be our victory when we remember things anyways. It's all a gift. We'll stop right here. We'll pick up on Shabbos. On Sunday morning, we're going to have Dafyomi in the morning. I don't. I really can't be more flexible than the Sunday morning thing, David. I think you're right, but I may not have a choice. Um, so if we're here and the other shear is empty, please ditch me and I'll just talk into the computer screen. Done it before. Not, my, not the first time, not the last. Uh, so Sunday, we're not in person. And Monday, we're not in person either. I don't think. Yeah, we're not in person either. And I'll post that recording very late Sunday night for Monday's DAF. So we'll be set very early. Mm -hmm. Wishing you all a beautiful night. See you. It's done news.